Hey, my name is Kevin Clark. I'm the host of a new football podcast called Slow News Day. I want to tell you about it. On Mondays, Lindsey Jones and I will recap the weekend in football that was, as well as look ahead to what's next. On Wednesday, the normal Slow News Day, the thing you've been watching for years, current players, current coaches, current analysts talking about the football world. And on Friday... It's a wild card. Could be some college football, could be more pro stuff. It's a video podcast, so you can watch it on Spotify or listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. Follow on Spotify. It's Slow News Day. It's the Ringers Philly special presented by FanDuel. April showers bring a loaded sports calendar, and FanDuel is the place to bet on it all right now. You can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays all on one page. Plus, start betting on the Explore page and the Pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I dot com slash Simmons. Philly is a tough city. I like Philadelphia because they care. Hello and welcome to the Ringers Philly special. It's the Sixers show. It's 10.07 p.m. In Philadelphia, I'm Chris Ryan, and I'm joined by Raheem Palmer, and the Sixers are up one nothing in the Eastern Conference semifinals against the Celtics. Raheem, what's up? It was a crazy, crazy game. I got so excited. I actually, I actually got suspended for Twitter for tweeting <laughs> James Harden and telling him to let his nuts hang after that shot because you got to have big balls to take that shot and make it, even beating the switches all night. So it's a gr- beautiful day. Yo, and who did he hit it on? Al Horford. It just makes Shout it that much sweeter. <laughs> Let me tell you something. James Harden went to Arizona State. Tobias Harris went to Tennessee. Paul Reed went to DePaul for a minute. PJ went to Texas. But tonight, we all go to the University of Georgia, man. You know what I'm saying? That's Philadelphia <laughs> sports right there. I love it so much. I can't believe that happened in the first half. I was just like, these dudes are going to eat so much in the paint without Embiid. They were like plus 20 in the paint. And then the Sixers just went matchup zone because you don't want Glenn Rivers down $200 at the blackjack table. 
Oh my God, you don't. I mean, this, I mean, he instantly turns into a top five coach whenever he's under man. And, you know, Bill is always talking about it, but Joe Missoula, I mean, he got out coached tonight. And, you know, this is one of the rare times where, you know, Glenn Rivers is the better coach in a series. So we have a lot to take from, you know, what we saw tonight. Yeah, we can start. Well, so let's start with the headline, man, which is that James Harden needs to go to Vegas every week, every off day. We can do a GoFundMe. We can see if Spotify can kick in, do some matching donations or whatever. But James Harden needs to go to Vegas every time there's an off day. Whatever happened this week, it was therapeutic. The Achilles is healed. Did he have his like explosion? Maybe not. Is he like able to play at all above the rim? No. But what I saw out there was a dude absolutely cooking whoever tried to D him up tonight. Yeah. And, and you know, the biggest thing that I saw that was just different from what we've seen from Harden since March the 20th, that Bulls game, is that he was driving to the lane. You know, like it, it felt like against the Brooklyn Nets, he had trouble beating switches. But if he had a switch tonight, you know, they would barbecue chicken. Yeah. Cause then, and then basically the second half. So Harden ends the game with 45 points. He grabs uh, six assists and a, a board. He gets that in 39 minutes. And then at the end of the game, it was essentially just Marcus Smart would pick him up at half court, get the pick, put him on Horford. And then he would cook whoever was like, it was usually Horford, but he would cook whoever. And it was Harden with the 45 points in a moment where I think that like, I mean, going into the series, let's be honest, like we weren't podcasting a bunch about this Boston series because I think we were all really shook with Embiid being out at least this first game, possibly the second game, possibly more. And it felt like the same old story where the Sixers have a really solid 50-plus win regular season, and then we're going to get to the postseason and health issues are going to screw this up. And we haven't had this version of Harden before. I, we haven't had anybody who could take the reins from Embiid if he's out and do something like this. Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, like I was looking at the, the second spectrum um, stats. And it was very interesting. You look at Harden and the pick and roll. 16 direct picks led to 28 points on 1.7 points per possession. So, you know, it wasn't just Harden with his scoring. He dominated through his playmaking. He had six assists tonight. And, you know, God knows how many hockey assists he had. And then, you know, when you, like, I've been mentioning it all year. We have a big three because Tyrese Maxey was huge. Yeah. You know, yeah. 26 points, you know, two assists. He had the... The, the, the game-winning basket, essentially, you know, getting that steal, it's, it's just, I mean, it's just beautiful to watch this team. And then even, I got to give some credit to Tobias Harris, because Tobias Harris, we were down three, and, no, I think we were down, well, we were down three in the fourth quarter, and Tobias, you know, he put up five straight points to keep us in that game. So, everybody showed up tonight. Yeah, you know what? It was a full team win, and it was also a pretty exotic team win, because when you think about it, like, there was a long stretch in that second half where they were going small ball with McDaniels and Tucker pretty much as the front court. And then Paul Reed all night long, like basically the best possible version of himself, getting boards, getting, you know, getting like those like sort of deflection plays. I was worried in the first half that Paul was going to get played off of the court and that we were going to go down like playing small ball, but because Paul Reed just could not figure out how to pick up a guy like. He kept getting pulled out of the paint, and then the Celtics would get a backdoor cut every single time down the court. And then Doc made some adjustments. Yeah, I, like I, I mean, honestly, it just felt like it, we just watching the game. It just felt like just, we just have any rim protection, and it just felt like you know they would collapse and like 
on a player and then they would just get an open look from behind the arc. So, you know, that changed. You know, I was surprised looking at the transition numbers like on on cleaning the glass. Like, I guess because we just didn't have enough turnover. But, you know, it's like I think we only had six turnovers the whole game. And the Celtics in transition, they were like only 1.5 points added per 100 possessions. So I just think we did everything that we needed to do to win this game. You know what it kind of reminded me of a little bit? And I, I mean, like, I know that there are a lot of like differentiations just in play style and in like play player, but it was a little bit like the um, the Denver Phoenix game the other day where Boston was relying so heavily on their top two guys. Mm-hmm. And then like after that tapped out, like, yeah, they had a decent game from Brogdon. Smart had a couple of big plays. But like, I feel like the Sixers just had a complete team win and Boston was just relying on Brown and Tatum to kind of get them get them through this. Well, I mean, Smart came up huge, like down the stretch at you know certain moments. I mean, he had that you know the three point play to put it, put them up four, and I actually thought that was the end of the game right there. Um, so he came up huge in certain spots. Obviously, he got a little banged up, but I mean, I think for the most part, you're right. You know, Derek Derek White wasn't himself. I mean, a, a lot of Boston fans always talk about how they need to be closing with Derek White. Um, you know, Derek White's been better than Marcus Smart. You hear Bill say it all the time. Yeah. He wasn't good tonight at all. <laughs> nope. We had Derek White for four points. You had Al Horford for eleven points. You had six points from six points from Rob Williams and then a donut from Grant Williams in just four minutes. And yeah, it was pretty much Tatum with thirty nine, a lot of which came in the first half. Uh Brown with twenty three. And, you know, in that first half, you're watching that and you're just like, yo, man, these guys are gonna carve us up like turkey. This is gonna be over. We're putting in a valiant effort, but it just seems like they can get whatever they want, either in transition or in in these backdoor cuts because they keep dragging Paul Reed out of the lane. And then there's the Embiid-sized hole. And then we turn the Embiid-sized hole into almost an advantage because it didn't seem like the Celtics knew how to guard Harden with a spread offense. Yeah, I, I'm, you know, the one thing, I mean, I think that's the that's one of the biggest takeaways that we can, you know, take from the entire year against Boston. Boston can't guard us. <laughs> like, if we don't turn the ball over and l- allow them to get in transition, they can't guard us with or without Joel Embiid. And I think we've seen that all year. We just have to take good care of the ball. And tonight we did that. So with this with this game tonight, you know what? I'm going to save that because I, I don't want to get too far into expectations. We can talk about a couple of different elements. Let's talk a little bit about Paul Reed because he had huge shoes to fill tonight. Paul Reed winds up playing 37 minutes. This is a dude who was getting yanked after like, eight minutes in games earlier in the season. You know what I mean? Like Paul Reed had like was significantly like marginalized on this team for him to be playing 30 plus minutes against Boston in the Eastern conference semifinals. It just goes to show you like how long an NBA season is and how many different chapters there can be. Yeah. Like it's so crazy because, you know, early on in the year, I just thought that, you know, Paul Reed wouldn't even be ready for these moments because it felt like, we were always, you know, sticking with Montrezl Harrell. And now Montrezl Harrell is completely out of rotation. He's a completely complete afterthought. So it's, I mean, it's kind of shocking. And then, you know, I think we've reached a point with Paul Reed where we have to worry about somebody paying him big bucks in free agency. I know. We were just talking about that, weren't we? We were like, yeah. oh, like he's a restricted free agent. You know, and now it's like, yo, Paul Reed is the answer at backup five. And Paul Reed could probably, if we're talking about, a future with Embiid, let's say he wins the MVP and it's like, yo, let's get Embiid around 60 games, 58 games a season, really put him on the, the workout plan where he's 
fresh for the playoffs. Paul Reed's going to have like a really nice little career in Philly if we can we can keep him here. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it's one of those things to where depending on what happens with this team will determine a lot about, you know, how, you know, the Sixers choose to spend money this summer. So let's just, you know, hope that we can continue winning because other, I think if, he, if we do, he'll be here. This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise, but if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, you're sick and tired of ugly, uncomfortable workout gear, especially, you know, I do a lot of walking. I walk around LA. I make calls. I listen to podcasts. Here are two words that will change everything. Viore clothing, a line of activewear that is unbelievable. The best thing about Viore is you can lounge around in it. You can work out in it. You can go outside. You can go shopping down in your local wherever. And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal. Our listeners get 20% off their first purchase at viori.com slash Simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com slash Simmons. This episode is brought to you by cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com. I was traveling internationally last year. I was in Mallorca. I didn't know the island well. I said, let me head to the north, head towards the water. Let me go on Hotels.com and see what they have available. Something preferably on the beach, maybe even a gym. Not only did I get those things, there was a kid's session with exercise, gymnastics in the water, pony rides, a train. It had everything, and I didn't even want any of those things. But at least I knew they were there just in case I changed my mind. And now finding the perfect hotel has never been easier thanks to the Hotels.com app. Whether you're looking for a family-friendly, right, all-inclusive or a relaxing spa weekend, you can find exactly what you need and compare hotel prices, ratings, and amenities side by side. So start planning your next getaway and find your perfect somewhere in the Hotels.com app. Somebody else who's going to be here is Maxi who yeah. had had the voodoo on him when it comes to Boston because it was like those big guards, those defensive bulldogs, they're going to get after Tyrese. Tyrese can't eat against Boston. And you know what? It wasn't even just the scoring tonight, dude. It was like a guy who like looked like an all-star. And it was a guy who was like, I know what I have to do because, because like I'm responsible for 30% of this team's offense. You know what I mean? Yeah. He played he like that, right? Yeah, he he really did. Um, you know, he had a big three down the stretch. You know, one of the things, one of my favorite things about Maxi is that, you know, you heard it on the broadcast. Sometimes it felt like the Sixers were playing too slow. At heart, I mean, Maxi is always going to get into transition and get you easy buckets. And I, I think he had his moments where he did that tonight. Um, and that is that was great. I mean, he still didn't shoot the ball well from three. He was just two for nine from three. So it felt like, you know, watching Maxi, it felt like we still didn't even get his best game. I know, and it's like this dude took what twenty four shots tonight. Yeah, like that—that's that's what you want. Like that's the, that's like second second option numbers. Like that's exactly what you want from a dude like that. And I loved how much, just like 
feel-wise, it seemed like Harden was riding Maxi. He was like, you're the other guy here. You know what I mean? Like, if we're yeah. going to win this game, you have to take your shots. I'm going to feed you the ball. Like, I saw there was one play. I think it was in the third quarter. P.G. Tucker had, like, a little dribble handoff to Maxi, And Maxi obviously was supposed to just, like, pull up and, and, and shoot it from three. And instead just kind of did a couple of half moves and then got doubled. And then, and then PJ came up to me and was like, shoot that. If I DHO you and you have that like little bit of daylight from three, shoot it. And it was like, that's exactly what this kid needs to hear, man. Yeah. Like I, I totally, I totally agree. <laughs> I, that was just great to see, honestly. Um, what did you think of the difference between how we deed up Boston from the first half to the second half? Cause that's sometimes, it's a little bit you know, of a challenge for me to read team defense sometimes. And I heard the words matchup zone a couple of times in the second half from the broadcast. But did you think that we did something completely different adjustment-wise in the second half defensively? I kind of have to watch it back, honestly. Um, I mean, I did see the zone. I mean, I thought that was, that was interesting. But I, like, it's one of those things that I, I kind of need to run back um, to just see how, you know, we, we played the coverages and everything like that. I did notice the zone, but I wasn't, you know, quite sure of how much we did differently. Because it seemed like when the first half, Boston was either getting right to the rim, and mm-hmm. even if they did, the kick out for three was there, right? Like, it just seemed like that was going to be, and that's Boston's offense. It's just like twos yeah. or threes, it's layups or threes, and it's just going to be all night long with that. And then I don't, I, I just felt like either the Sixers were, like just staying home on threes a little bit better. Maybe Tatum came down to earth. Sometimes you wonder when guys have explosions like that in the first half. Like I, it's a joke to be like, oh, Tatum's peaking too early. But maybe Tatum was peaking too early. I mean, Tatum probably expended a lot of energy getting that point total in the first half. I think he did. You know, like wh- the one thing I will say about Tatum is that he missed a bunch at the rim in the second half. That's the one thing I did notice. Like he yeah. had a couple at the rim to where it's like, oh, shoot. Um, and you know, maybe he, he was kind of looking for fouls on some of them. Um, and it, I mean, it's funny. I mean, just because it felt like the Sixers didn't get a call all night. <laughs> I know. And what did yeah, Harden, but, what did Harden wind up with at the line? Um, Harden was at the line. What was he? Four times. <laughs> yeah. Like, and Maxi four times. Paul yeah, Reed four every, times. So it was just yeah. like, that's the extent of our free throws tonight. Yeah. And Jason Tatum goes to the line eight times. Which is like, you know, a nice average for an all-star. But like, they really did let dudes play. I think there was only like two or four free throws in the first half or something really weird like that. It got a little tighter in the second half and there were some weird calls like, um, you know, the take foul for us. Then Smart tried to get the take foul called against, I think, PJ. There was a couple of like charged defensive foul, like 50-50s. But like, for the most part, I thought the refs let them play. Got a little chippy down the down the end there when I think there was the alleged nut tap from PJ on Tatum and Tatum went down like he got, you know, bulldozed. But for the most part, like a really good up and down playoff game. Yeah, I, I love that they let him play down the stretch. I mean, I thought that was that was great, I mean, especially considering the fact that we couldn't get a call at all. So um, you, you always want to see it decided on the court. Um, I did agree with that take five. I thought that was, a you know, I. I I think they had to call that. Um, like, yeah, because you know, Max- it seemed like White basically threw his arms out as Maxi was taking off down the other end of the floor, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. Not big picture, big picture, but big picture. Like, Sixers steal one from Boston. 
even with Embiid, this would be the best possible outcome. You know what I mean? Like discounting the fact that we just did this without the MVP. So the Sixers could split, you know, whatever happens in Boston now. Raheem five hours ago versus Raheem now, how much more optimistic are you about the Sixers' chances in this series? I'm extremely optimistic. And I think the big reason why is because I think you're, to me, Harden is healthy. That was the thing that, you know, I had the biggest fear coming into this game is that I felt like Harden just wasn't the same guy. So I almost wasn't really even enthusiastic about seeing this series because I just thought Harden wasn't wasn't that guy. And now it's clear that he is that guy. Now, I do think his game is still going to have a fair amount of variance um, in the sense that when you look at tonight, Harden was seven for 14 from three. He's not going to be 50 percent from three every night. Right. Um, and I, right. I know he was beating the switches, but there's going to be some nights to where Harden is just not going to he's just not going to be hitting his three every night. And I think those are those are going to be the tough games. And I think that's where we're going to need Joel Embiid. We're going to need that scoring punch from him. We're going to need to be able to just slow the game down a little bit more um, and, you know, get offense and put them in. Put them in foul trouble, go to the free throw line. Um, so I am very encouraged. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, you saw this line go from I think Celtics were like. They opened at minus 300. I think it might have got up to all, all like minus 500, 600 to win this series. Yeah. We're looking at minus 174 for the Celtics, plus 146 for the Sixers. So, well, that's- well, well. <laughs> Did you bet the Sixers? I didn't bet. I didn't, I didn't bet the game. I mean, I probably would have took the Sixers. Like, my, my gut instinct was that this was going to be a high scoring game. Um, so it was just like, I, I think it's interesting, though. I mean, the market is basically saying the Celtics have a 63% chance of winning a series uh-huh and, and i actually think that's a little high now <laughs> i mean the big question is like it if if Embiid is in there yeah like maxi shot attempts probably aren't at 24 they're probably closer to 16 or something like that or 12 but if Embiid is in there the celtics don't have a plus 20 paint to- point total like differential in the first half do they Nah, not at all. Um, I mean, I, I think that's the one thing that's like totally apparent. And, you know, a lot of people voted for MB for MVP based on his defense. And you see that our defense is totally predicated on Joel MB being able to clean up everything at the rim. Like, it's, I mean, it's imperative that he's out there. So um, you saw that in the first half. <laughs> who is a Boston guy that you were impressed with? And who is a Boston guy that you were like, what's the big deal? Um. What's the big... I mean, I was impressed with Tatum in that first half. I mean, that yeah. first half... The the one thing I just... Like, Tatum is like... He's frustrating to watch at times because it feels like he settles for his jump shot a lot. And not only does he settle for his jump yeah, shot... Yeah, he wants to be Kobe. He wants yeah, the bag. Yeah, it, it's, a, it's a fadeaway, ugly jump shot. But in this game, he got to the, he got to the lane. And I, I like seeing that from Tatum. Uh, and I think that's the Tatum that I don't want as a Sixers fan. Um... A guy I just wasn't impressed with, honestly, was just, I mean, Derek White. I, I just, I mean, I'm so used to him playing a lot better than he played tonight. Um, Yeah, so I think, I think it's definitely those two. Yeah, I would go Brogdon was the guy I was impressed with. I mean, mm-hmm. I honestly was, Brogdon wound up having, let's see, he, he wound up finishing the night with 33 minutes, which puts him above Derek White minutes-wise, above Al Horford minute-wise. So he would have been a starting five-minute guy starting four pretty much top four minutes guy for, for the Celtics. But I was almost like relieved when he wasn't on the floor 
and when Missoula was sort of sticking with this the Horford idea or with a Rob idea, I I really was like, you know, if you think about they're setting that pick, PJ's setting that pick for Harden. If that's one of the Celtics' wings or guards guarding Harden, you don't know if he goes off for the same point total. But when he gets switched on to Horford, I would love to know what did Harden do against like the big switching onto him over the course of the game? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. Um, I, I'm trying to find like I got to look it up on Seth Spectrum, but I mean just in general with Horford on 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 Harden. I mean we got points whether it was him or someone else. <laughs> yeah, and it was just and that that's what you want to see is Horford Bambi on ice out at the top of the key while Harden's going between the legs and getting ready to cook him. And that was like, I don't know if that was just because we were getting lucky with Missoula not making an adjustment or if that was just an amazing call by Doc to just be like, that's exactly where I want Harden to have it. And then when Harden did get penetration and Harden didn't get a look at the rim, I mean, he was making acrobat over the head back to the three-point line kickouts. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, to me, his playmaking is... It's almost as good, if not better, than his scoring. And I think that's what makes him scary. <laughs> like, it's just, it's just unreal. Like, he even had, you know, the pass to Paul Reed in crunch time where you're like, holy shit. <laughs> yeah. So who else, who else from the Sixers deserves some, some, some love here that we're not talking um, about? I don't think we gave Melton any love. Um, oh, you know, Jesus. Me- what are we doing? Yeah, Melton was huge. Like, that's the only guy we just didn't mention. Like, he was absolutely huge. He saved us in the first half. He was essentially yeah. like the reason why we didn't because I was like, as we were going, as we were going, I was like, man, under 10 at halftime, I'm happy. Or even at 10, like something within touching distance. I just don't want to see this get out of control. And Melton was pretty much the reason that happened. Yeah. I have a question for you, though. Yeah. What did you think about Nian closing? You know what? That was really interesting. He was ba- so Doc was pretty much going offense defense with him with Paul, right? Yeah. Um, I'm not mad at it. I'm not mad at it. The guy who I was concerned about a little bit, if I have to be honest, we're wondering whether or not maybe it's a little bit too big for him is McDaniels. Yeah. I didn't mind it, but I didn't feel like he was special enough on defense to not offer anything on offense. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know exactly what you mean. I, I, I think that was always my concern when we traded for him. You know, I, I like I said all like during that time period, I wanted Josh Hart because I felt yeah. like he could add, you know, something offensively. And granted, Hart didn't have a good offensive game yesterday for the Knicks. But I just feel like when you're playing next to Hart and you're, ne- you're playing next to MB, it's not enough to just be a hustle guy. You got to be able to, you know, space the floor and hit threes. And he can't do that. And you, you saw that tonight. Yeah. Uh, out of everybody who played, I mean, he was a minus eight. <laughs> Yeah, and so he winds up playing what? So, like, just to, to tie a bow on it, Melton had 17 in the first hor- first half. So we were talking about Melton saving the game, essentially, for the Sixers. But yeah. J- Jalen McDaniels winds up playing 11 minutes, no points. Man, he threw donuts, no assists, no, and one board almost. So he, he really had a tough night, minus eight. It was really... And then Niang goes out, and he only gets three points and an assist and a rebound. But I didn't mind it so much, him not, not playing. I didn't mind so much him coming in and, and spelling Paul Reed a little bit, and especially when we needed to go out and get that bucket towards the end of the game, where Harden 
instead of like, I was like, oh, this is great. Two second clock differential. We can get the two here. And Harden just goes top of the key and just buries it, man. That's an iconic, iconic Sixers play. They'll be showing that for a while. Oh, yes. Uh, definitely going to be. Sh- like, I'm going to be honest with you. I was kind of shocked that he didn't drive on him. I know. Because I thought he would cook Al and maybe try to get contact. And I was but, glad he didn't because he was not getting the whistle tonight. And it's yeah, he like, wasn't getting a whistle. And then you saw, like, if he had driven, a lot of people were kind of just, like, there were people all in the lane. Yeah. Um, ready to just, you know, like, pounce on him. And he probably Well, it's almost like they're doing the build-a-wall defense without Embiid in there. Yeah. And it's like, he would have ended up having to kick it out. Somebody else would have had to take a three. I'm glad he just kept it in his hand and said, you know, I got this. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think we've pretty much talked about every single Sixer tonight. I mean, of the DNPs, Deadman and Harrell, who haven't seen daylight in a long time. Daniel House, I wouldn't be shocked if he gets a little bit of time in this series. And the same goes for Shake Milton. I think we've seen the end of Ferk in the Sixers. And Jaden's really there as like ballast at the end of the bench. What do, what do you think about maybe like, you know, in that second game, maybe House getting a little bit of McDaniel's minutes? Yeah, yeah, I definitely would like to see that. I, I, like I was going to mention that to you. So <laughs> I, I think House can bring a little bit more offensively. Um, I'm wondering if we see Harrow in this series. Really? Yeah. I, I to, mean, to basically, like, if we don't get him beat until game four, maybe. Yeah. Like, if we, yeah. If we don't get him, yeah. If we don't get him until even, even game three, like, because it's just like at some point, you you gotta have. We're playing eight guys right now. Is that the ultimate like heat check moment for you? Is where we're actually being like, maybe we should play Harrow. Who knows? You know, we're up game. We're up one game on the Celtics. Maybe Doc should put Montrez <laughs> out there. I mean, you. I mean, at some point, you're gonna have to spell some of these minutes. Um, and it's just like, I mean, the one thing I will say is that we could have we could have did a little bit better job rebounding at times. Yeah, yeah. There was a couple of uh, there was a couple Horford offensive rebounds. I think he wound up finishing the night with. Let's see. He, had, he finished the night with three offensive boards. It felt like they all happened within the same sequence. And I was like, I'm not ready to watch Draymond versus Sabonis again. Like, oh, of, my God. Uh, I, like, or, or Looney versus Sabonis. Looney were like, just... but, but I don't want to see this like, oh, some savvy veteran is just basically pushing Paul Reed out of the space and like getting all the boards. Like, I was so glad to see like that, that, that dried up a little bit. Um, but yeah, man, I thought that everybody basically like acquitted themselves pretty well. You mentioned Tobias. We haven't really given him enough love. He was as solid as he always seems to be when we're, de- we're, we're, we're underhanded. I see Cliff here. Cliff, are we forgetting something? Oh uh, yeah. Y'all forgetting the biggest thing right now. Can y'all, can y'all give your, your good friend Bill Simmons a call so we can get a reaction and see You know, I, Bill, <laughs> come on, man. Bill's not coming on this podcast. What do you mean? Like, we need to Bill hear takes, something from him. Bill takes Monday nights off. Ain't no way he's coming on our podcast to talk about that. You're trying, needs- to get us, you're trying to get us... Fi- I'm, look, I've, I joined the Ringer on May 31st. I'm trying to make it a year. You know what? He, <laughs> did you guys listen to what he was saying on the, on the second part of the Bill pod yesterday with Rosillo where he was just like, it's not about beating the Sixers, it's about destroying, like, it's basically about running them off the court and stuff. See, that's what I'm talking about. And, like, y'all not even going to give him a quick call, be like, yo, what happened to just destroying the Sixers? I have worked for game Bill one for more than a decade. I know to steer clear of them when Boston teams lose. Don't ask for a vacation. Don't ask for anything. Just be like, okay. <laughs> 40 minutes ago, Je- Jeff Chow sent a text message to a group thread that we're on 
That was just a picture of James Harden shrugging, and Bill has not responded. <laughs> not yet. Bill straight up said, "Look, I'm not coming to. I'm not coming for any of these games. These this team sucks. <laughs> like he's not even flying back east for these games. That's what he said after the game. Can we can we at least but, give Glenn his proper credit though for what we he did, did man? Tonight? We're saying we're saying this was a Glenn game. This is why we're." We can even call him Doc from now on if you want. Yeah, we we can we definitely call him Doc. I mean, like he got the nickname Doc now. Yeah, I mean this is the quintessential Doc when he's when he's he's operating on Joe Missoula. He's he's Doc when he's doing open heart surgery on Joe. Yeah, when like when we have an injured superstar, Doc Rivers is he instantly becomes a top five coach. (laughs) Let me ask you this though: Are y'all afraid of when Embiid comes back and how different the game has to be? Because like I'm talking to my friends and they're like. The, the the style of play is just way different. The ball just doesn't stick in people's hands. At, at times, obviously, you know, they get Embiid happy, which, I mean, by the way, you should. He's arguably the best player in the game. But I feel like this plays in the Boston's hands when he comes back when he comes back in. But I'd rather go down swinging with Embiid without Embiid. You see what I'm saying? But the question is, though, like, what about that? What about the point differential in the paint in the first half? Like that, Yeah, you have to wonder whether or not the Sixers are leading for most of this game if they have Embiid. Now, yeah, also, I, Cliff, yeah, I completely understand what you're saying, mm-hmm. where it's like, we're not as fast. Like, there's a lot of, like, Embiid getting doubled, Embiid trying to pass out of the double, and, like, guys getting less shots. But it wasn't like I thought we threw a perfect game tonight. I thought we just took advantage of Boston's mistakes in a big way. I, I 100% agree. I feel like they, mm-hmm. I mean, they even at times, like, they don't even need to blitz Harden or Maxi. And at times they were doing that, letting people get open threes. And I'm like, what are you doing? You guys are so good defensively. Lengthwise, you can just play that straight up and just live with it. So why would you just why would you blitz Harden, who sometimes goes cold from three, and let you know a guy like Niang who shoots forty percent from three get a shot off? It didn't. It a lot of those coaching mistakes that Missoula did just really it didn't make sense to me. So uh, you know we'll see. But I'm I'm I, I'm excited, man. I'm I'm really back on the wagon. I was feeling down and B wasn't mm-hmm. playing, and now I'm I'm just I'm totally back in. I'm totally back in. You know, one thing I gotta mention. Um, and I think this is going to be something, you know, that we're going to see going forward is when you look at the clutch ratings for the Celtics. Okay. They aren't good at all. I mean, when you look at the clutch ratings, um, the 2022 regular season, minus 9.5. Okay. You know, 2022 postseason, minus 14.2. Post All-Star break this year. Clutch ratings minus thirteen point three. So the this Sixers. Is Bill, this is Bill's big like. This is Bill's big fear: is Missoula in the clutch? Yeah. And you look at the, what the Sixers in the clutch have done. Guess who was the number one team in the regular season in the clutch? The Philadelphia 76ers. Positive net rating of sixteen point six. Clutch wins twenty eight and seventeen. Only two teams have more clutch wins than us. Well, actually, one team has more clutch wins than us, and that's the Miami Heat, and they have Jimmy Butler, who is basically the greatest playoff player of all time. And you know what's <laughs> funny is that I had a bunch of friends or just like people in my life who would be like, yo, you must be down so bad because you got to see Boston again, and Boston's going to send you guys home for the third time in five years or whatever it is. And I was like, yeah, but you know what? Those Boston games were kind of close. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I was just like, those... I didn't really ever feel like Boston was in a completely different league than us. And if we other had, than, had a better, other than the first game of the season, that's the only game had a, where we got blown out. We sucked the first half month of the season. 
If yeah. we had had a better first month of the season, it might be us with home court advantage right now. And you know, the one thing I will say, and I've been saying this all year long, Jason Tatum has not played well against the Sixers this year. Other than game one and other than tonight, he's put up some stinkers. I think he had, you know, he's averaging like six. Uh, the last three games matchups besides tonight, Tatum is averaging 16 points per game against the Sixers. And that was encouraging to me. And then just the fact that, to me, especially that third Sixers game against the Celtics, we were up the entire game into the third quarter when we stopped turning the ball over, when we started turning the ball over. And I think the Celtics took a 10-point lead in that game. And once we stopped turning the ball over in the fourth quarter, we came back and tied it up before Jason Tatum actually hit the game winner. So if we don't turn the ball over, I think we're live to win this series. All right, so you know what I want to end on? Because mm-hmm. you know, when we first started, I feel like I was very excited. And I just want to say something. Mm-hmm. I always wondered if this moment was going to happen, where I was going to be like, it really does change when you see a dude in, in your team's uniform. And that's what happened with Harden tonight. Wow. Where I was like, I get it. And I got to tell you something. He was the best player on the floor tonight, and he knew it. And yeah. I was in a bar watching this game, and we were kind of like, having an awesome in-the-bar in conversation, just rattling off, like, who's your top 10? Who's your top 10? Who's your top 15? Who's on the outside of the top 15 looking in? And Harden really wasn't in the conversation, which is blasphemy when you think about it. When you think about what he's done over the last 10 years, like, it's pretty much blasphemy. And as we were watching this game, I was like, you know who thinks he's in the top 10, if not the top five, is James fucking Harden. Yeah. That dude definitely thinks that he is the best player on that floor. Yeah, I mean, he definitely, he definitely showed it tonight. Um, and I, I hated James Harden when he was on the Rockets. Like, I hated him. He was everything that was wrong with basketball to me, and he is awesome to cheer for. <laughs> you know the crazy thing for me? I think James Harden is better than Kevin Durant. And a lot of people look at me crazy for saying that, but I've always believed it. Um, and a big part of it is his playmaking. Like, you just don't, outside of LeBron James, or, you know, at this point, Nikola Jokic, we have never seen this combination of scoring and playmaking in one person. And it's like, you just can't find it. So to me, I always just thought he was the best player out of that Oklahoma City Big Three. It's just, I always felt like his playoff woes, a big part of it was the fact that he's carrying this such a huge burden over the regular season, and he doesn't miss games. I mean, until he's, you know, he's a little older now. But his time in Houston, he didn't miss games. So he's, you know, this is a guy who's nearly averaging a triple-double, you know, scoring 30 points a game, dropping 10 assists, and then he's doing it all season long, and in the playoffs, he just has nothing left. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. So I love to see him in this role where he doesn't have, I mean, and granted, he had to be the guy tonight. But when MB comes back, he won't have to be the guy. He can just fill in the gaps. Um, so I'm, I'm excited. Like, like this, this is just beautiful. <laughs> it was pretty wild, man. I mean, I think in some, some ways, like the disrespect, like, I, I mean, like, look, like I don't really get caught up in that, but like mm-hmm. people were like, oh, the Sixers and they swept the Nets who were really like probably not even a playoff team when you look at after the trade deadline. And then it's like the Hawks were actually really good. So this, the Celtics, t- that's why it took the Celtics so long to take care of those guys. And you know what? The Sixers team is basically like top three team in the league since December. And we yeah. smoked the Nets. 
And we have shown over and over again that sometimes without Harden, sometimes without Embiid, sometimes all, you know, whenever we have both of them, we're basically really a difficult team to beat. You know, and we are we're the best three point shooting team in the league. We're an awesome defense with 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 Embiid on the floor. And we're gonna be a tough fucking out. And maybe Boston does beat us, but like Boston shouldn't get too excited about about that Knicks Knicks Heat being the next game next series. Like don't don't overlook the Sixers because like this is gonna be a long series. I think. Oh yeah, it's definitely. And you know, I I think I think I was saying this before, or somebody else said this, but. It's just very possible that the Sixers were the third best team in the league this year um, behind the Celtics and Bucks. And I think the Sixers have been overlooked because they are in the same conference as the Celtics and Bucks. Um, and, and, you know, like you said, since, you know, like January 1st, we're 33 and 14. Yeah. And even with us being 33 and 14, it felt like we left some meat on the bone because the last couple of weeks of the season, James Harden and, and, and Joel Embiid were banged up. So... Yep. To, to me, I mean, I think we're live. I think we're extremely live. I think, you know, FanDuel having the Celtics minus 174, it, I mean, the Celtics don't have a 63% chance of winning this series. They just don't. And there's no way you can convince me of that. And tonight made that abundantly clear. Like, I want to say one more shout out on the Sixers side of things. Yeah. And this, and this, is, not, this is not just me uh, caping up for them. This is a this is a good Daryl Morey win, yeah. Because Daryl got Melton and PJ in here, and you could say that those are Harden signings in some ways, but those are two dudes that we did not have in previous playoffs. Yeah, um, and I, I think you know it's ironic you're saying that while the Phoenix Suns are on because I think the Phoenix Suns right now they're facing a similar issue that the Sixers had last year after they yeah. traded for James Harden. You know they have three Top guys. Heavy. They're top, top heavy, heavy and they have three guys. And, you know, we knew last year that we had to give Daryl Morey an offseason to be able to get some pieces. And he did that. So kudos to Daryl Morey. Um, hopefully we will have him on here at some point in time. Um, I'm speaking that to the to existence. Um, so we can kind of just thank him for his contribution. Yeah, but you know, you know who's missing D'Anthony Mullen right now? The Grizz. Yeah. You know who's missing PJ Tucker right now? The Bucks. Without a doubt. <laughs> he just he got the right dudes and like I felt like even if it didn't show up in the box score for PJ it it showed up in like the victory and D'Anthony was essentially saved the game for us so like yeah huge 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 props to Daryl huge props to Doc huge props to James Harden who was the best player on the floor tonight against an MVP candidate with James you know with with Tatum who goes off in the first half Jalen Brown playing like an incredible two-way player and we just got after those dudes so um, a 38 minute podcast at 10:45 p.m. on the East Coast. Thank you to Cliff Augustine for for joining us. We'll be back on Wednesday when the Sixers are back against the Celtics for Game Two. Uh, shout out to Bill Simmons and shout out to Fanduel. We will have a same game parlay along with our guy Brian Barrett from the Off the Pike Podcast for Game Two on Wednesday night. Check it out. And uh, <laughs> we'll be back. Thanks for thanks to everybody for listening. Thanks, Reem.
This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.